This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Hello and welcome to episode 596 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Sunday, September 2nd. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I'm joined by Nick Pollock for an, an amazing fireside chat today. I'm already calling it amazing. <laughs> I don't even know how it's going to go, Nick, but how are you doing, bud? What is happening? I'm really happy we could still do this. Uh, I am actually, this is amazing because I am farther back in the time zone than Spore yes. is for the first time. For the first time ever, and... <laughs> You're a bit under duress. I am. Us, you know, uh, let, let's just say, let's let's fantasy comp this. Uh, you'd be playing through like a red cross. You know, you got the little red crosses next to your players. Like when, when, when something's a little bit amiss, you got a little bit of red cross right now. Not that you're hurt, but just that uh, your situation is less than ideal. You're in Colorado on yes. a vacation. Awesome. Uh, and your bag got left. Yes. I, I'm on my friend's laptop right now. I hope this recording program works uh, but it's great. He's a really nice guy for letting me use this. And uh, hopefully this is a great chat. we got some baseball to discuss. Yeah, so, so give us a little leeway on the recording. But as long as you can hear both voices, it should be good to go. And as promised, if you, if you listen, if you're a regular Fireside listener, you know that we're going to be talking schedules. And I want to say out front that Nick did an amazing job with the uh, with the pitcher list update uh, this past week, which turned into the schedule list. And he went through and had to do some manual stuff, too. It wasn't just oh, like man. they got their tech to do some things, but then he had to kind of do a next layer, including splitting up the Colorado schedule as two different things where – because he has elite, strong, average, weak, poor – and uh, obviously Colorado just can't really be – and I know other teams have home road splits, but nothing is is, a, right. is as severe as theirs. So it really should be treated as two, and for you to go in and do the extra legwork is pretty pretty exceptional. So they're, they're obviously at Colorado, that means you're facing an elite offense. But if you get them on the road, they're pretty weak, especially I believe right. against lefties is their weaker side. That's rocky road. It's normally sweet. Uh, but, oh, thank you. Uh, it's a lot of fun to do that every year just because it's so nice at the end of the day just to look at every single pitcher. And actually have the color coding so you can quickly see, oh, is this Very actually good? Is this I a good know. schedule? Is this not? And you can kind of quickly assess it. For the most part, honestly, most of these guys, it's just normal stuff. Okay? I don't really change it too much based on the schedule because it's pretty average. You're going to have some good ones. You're going to have some bad ones. Nothing too yeah, ridiculous. Grab, grab bags. A lot but of grab today, bags. what we're going to talk about are the ones that are the extremes, the ones that have really bad schedules and we need to reconsider them, and also the guys that we – you know, they have really good schedules the rest of the way. So we have to maybe could give them more of a, a little bit more of a raise maybe in our rankings. Them? Yes. Maybe, uh, 
maybe go maybe go kind of steal them off the wire especially if there's some of the guys that are that are really kind of far afield i'm looking at one on your list that i could think would be that way a marlin who you'd be like maybe not considering but now that he has a good schedule maybe it is time to consider but we're going to start with the poor poor schedule guys and um i'm going to start with one that i that i saw that we actually came to uh independently because i didn't look at i didn't want to see your your bottom there, your favorables and non-favorables. I wanted to get a few of my own first and then go check. And uh, we did come to the conclusion, which I thought was an obvious one, of course, that Zach Greinke has yes. a difficult schedule coming up. And uh, just in the in the near, near term, especially, Atlanta at Colorado, Houston. And so, oof, that could be really tough. And then he also continues to uh, – hit Colorado again and then at San Diego. So he can finish up well, but you got to get through these early playoffs with arguably your ace, depending on how you built your rotation, possibly under some uh, some struggles here. So what do you think about Grinky? And by the way, when you did it, he had an at LA uh, at the Dodgers on the docket as well. Right. So it was four tough starts in a row. What are you doing with Grinky uh, as far as adjusting to this schedule situation? Is it just something where you're less confident but using him, or are you maybe considering not using him? Now, I know some people are going to remember, of course, that three of his last four starts have been at least three earned runs, and that includes a game in San Diego. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's a sub-three ERA this season. He has a strikeout per inning. I don't really think that if I own Grinky, I'm going to change course in any fashion i'm still gonna st i'm gonna start him in cores i think he's earned that uh this season and yeah that last start against the dodgers was 7.1 innings pitched of three and runs so it's not really too fair just calling it a three and run start that's not five innings that's 7.1 that's definitely that's a, a big pretty difference good. yeah that's that. a plus quality start right there. And, and with a sub one era as well and five strikeouts it still is very productive so I, I don't really think I'm going to change his course, but it still was something that I wanted to note because it is definitely tough. I mean, that goes across the board for the Diamondbacks. Clay Buckles is in there, too, mm -hmm. as far as tough, uh, tough schedules the rest of the season. I mean, it's just because they play some tough teams. So what is a, what do you think? But let's talk about Buckles as well. Obviously, he's on the same team. And by the way, you can use this as a jump off too to go look at some of these guys that uh that are going to share teams uh they're likely to catch a lot of the same stuff obviously the way the schedule breaks one guy can get the short end of it and another guy can kind of skip some of the more uh tough starts but if it's three four bad ones in a row you know that the other guys are going to catch some of those and buckholtz matched uh bueller almost pitch for pitch now buckholtz only went five today whereas bueller went six six and a third but uh one run on four hits two walks four strikeouts buckholtz just continues to dominate not just succeed dominate he has a 205 era nick and i know you wrote about him pretty early by the way so uh hats off to you if people were listening to you they were aware of what was going on there early and in fact everyone knows on this podcast that i've never been a big buck holtz fan uh because i always thought he was overhyped for what he did and not really trustworthy even when he had good seasons it was like sub two strikeout to walk ratios that was back when we were really on strikeout to walk ratio as opposed to k minus bb rate which is a little bit more effective but even even that wouldn't have helped him because it was it was mid six k's mid threes walks it's just it just wasn't that good but you can succeed in other ways and uh he's actually put up a good strikeout minus walk ratio this year uh has buckholtz what do you think of clay buckholtz the rest of the season I think it's tough, honestly. I I don't really want to put so much faith in his cutter and chain to port that are performing so well 
uh, with a fastball that has a sub 200 batting average allowed. I mean that's wow. the, that's a problem. That's I mean I need I need to pull that up, but that's I'm pretty confident that's still there. Uh, it, it's essentially just a fastball that's way overperforming. Uh, so we get 194. Uh, oh my goodness! Oof, I just got it. All right, that's wild. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, right. So that's not going to stick. I really don't see. It. I mean, last season, I mean, it was definitely a lot fewer career. It was just a career 285 batting mm-hmm. average allowed on that four seamer. Uh, that itself has been an incredible pitch for Buckholz, and I really don't think that it should be performing at that level. Um, obviously, quick looks, you'll see that the 4-plus XFIP um, just goes to show kind of everything in the hotel that is a holy trinity equating luck. Babbitt, home run fly ball, and left on base rate are all in favor for Buckholz. Strongly. You're, yes. t- you're looking at a 255 Babbitt, career best, uh, 87% left on base rate. And that actually went up to 88% today, by the way, because he stranded all the runners that he allowed on. It was a homer for the run and a uh, 9% homer to fly ball rate, which isn't isn't absurd in terms of being on the low end, but it, it's just adding on to the other two to to put him in the hotel, as you say. Right. Uh, and uh, by the way, that was a Sierra 4 for Sierra, not X, but X was like 396. But Sierra is a better one, so I'm just going to go with that. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, I mean, if you are a Buckholz owner, I don't think you should stop. But I would I not be surprised if, you know, the next two starts are bad and you are not going to trust Buckholz the rest of the way just because it's going to be tough after offense after tough offense. Uh, what he has the rest of the way is we're seeing the Dodgers, Atlanta, and Coors. Uh, the Cubs, sorry, actually, Dodgers was today. So then it's Atlanta, Coors, Cubs, Dodgers, Padres. That's four of his next five that are tough opponents. That yeah. is tough. Um, so that's Clay Buckholz. I agree with you, though. I don't really think you can uh, – if you had to pick him up and you've been relying on him for, let's say, even like eight of these 14 starts or 15 after today, um, you know, he's been giving you so much good work. I think you just got to ride it out. But how devastating is it going to be if you kind of trusted him to this point right. and then he pulls the rug out from under you in the first round of the playoffs or in a key spot in your Roto League? But I think you really have to go with it. So I'm going to stick with, with – honestly, I'm going to stick with all the uh, the Diamondbacks. And the, the top four, Godley is the only one who misses Coors in a, in a week. It's not coming up this upcoming week. It's the week after. But then he gets Houston. They have a week – at Coors at Houston, that is tough. And that's a uh, two-start for both Ray and Grinky right now at Colorado at Houston. So if you've been relying on these Diamondbacks pitchers to get here, they're going to be put to the test right. uh, front and center, Not again, not this upcoming week, but the week after. The crazy thing, though, is about Ray is that if Ray's on, it doesn't matter. I agree. In fact, you could really say that about the whole group here. Sure, yeah. Um, and that if they are on, and, and they have been for the most part, um, then it's not really going to matter. So I do think you have to just kind of trust them. We just want to make you aware of some of these more difficult yes. schedules. Yep. Why don't you give us a name that, that you that you saw that uh, had a guy who has you kind of worried, maybe more in the mid-tier that maybe now you're on the you're on the fence in, in 10 and 12 teamers about even starting? Well, that would be Joe, Joe Musgrove for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got the Cards and Brewers twice and the Cubs ahead. That's not good. I mean, that's four really tough opponents ahead of him. And not to mention, Joe Musgrove hasn't really performed well as of late. Uh, he had five earned runs against the Cardinals and then four runs prior to the Brewers. And then three earned runs against the Giants, two starts before that. It's been a little bit shaky. I Again, watching those starts, I feel like he pitched better than the line suggested at the same time, he's not really locked in, and he's going to be really tested in the final month of the season. So I, 
I'm a little hesitant going with Joe Musgrove. If there are other options that are around the same tier with better schedules, I think I would rather side with them over Musgrove. And I'd really want to have a, a guy like that, like Joe Musgrove. If I do have a scary schedule, I wish it was with a guy that I could rely on some strikeout potential. And you certainly can't rely on it. He can spike some sevens and eights here and there, but he has a 20% strikeout rate, which is pretty pedestrian. He's winning off of limiting the uh, the the walks and keeping the bases clear for when he does allow homers this year. His homers haven't been as problematic. He's down to 1.0, a, a factor which we really thought was going to improve going from Houston to Pittsburgh. That was one reason I liked this trade for him because his biggest issue was going to be helped by the park. Uh, and of course, easier lineups in the NL, just just by virtue of the pitcher, even if right. it's not necessarily uh, his division, um, because that that you don't want to mess with the St. Louis lineup right now or the Milwaukee, and then of course the Cubs came in, and you don't even really want to mess with Cincinnati. They can get you. Right, he's I, got I the next. Can, that's his next yeah. start. They can get you anytime too, you know. Um, those days when Votto's actually going, they've got four or five guys that that you really want to be careful with. So Musgrove is definitely someone that's kind of teetering on that edge of if I've got somebody better, I might want to go there. Let me bring up another one from your list and get your thoughts on him. Since he's been back, Michael Fulmer. Oh, I thought man. he was going to ruin my week, man. And listen, I'm not going to make it all about me because I, I think my, <laughs> my bid to make the playoffs is going to come up short despite – Putting the smackdown on the number one team who had like the most ridiculous offense. I'm give me just give me one moment here just to tell you how sick this offense is. Ramos, Freeman, Jose Ramirez, Turner, Bogarts, Muncie, Bellinger, Betts, Acuna, Chu, Merrifield. Just an, an offense that doesn't quit and decent pitching. So I'm like, I'm up against it. I'm not gonna beat this guy. And then Fulmer against KC gets routed. And I'm just, I'm looking at this like, are you kidding me, man? I had this week set up. I'm thinking I've got everything ready to go. And my boy Fulmer gets trounced, absolutely trounced, a minus eight in my league uh, at KC. What is up with Fulmer? And can he be trusted down the stretch given that he's got a tough schedule lining up? Yeah, I do not. I do not want to go after Fulmer. Uh, I said this often. I'm an emotional man, not a blind man. <laughs> and uh, what I mean by that is I love Michael Fulmer. I really do think that he has more potential than a lot of people are giving credit for. And I agree. But he is just is not executing it right now. He was out for a month. He hasn't really found his change of the entire season. I mean, I've been talking a lot about the slider being used as whiffs, and he has this good fastball. Even you know, even with 21 starts in this terrible ERA and everything, he still has a positive p-val on his on his fastball. If you can believe that. It's just the secondary pitches, the slide and the changeup haven't been there. His fastball was atrocious in that last game. He was getting beaten around the yard. I, of course, was, was watching absurd. it. Uh, they were clubbing him. The only like saving grace is that one of my favorites for the rest of this year and next, Alberto Mondesi, was getting in on the action. But, oh, my God. Yeah, for Fulmer, Not decent ducks. Right. He, so, he was terrible. He was absolutely terrible. So the way I see with Fulmer right now, I'm also checked out for the rest of the season. I think this is one of those cases where – he wasn't, you know, he had that surgery to move his nerve back, but he never really got the feel back for his changeup. And I was talking with our injury expert here at Pitcherless, Jeff Davis, and he talks about how that you still might not get the full feeling back. It's a definitely a recovery process after it. Uh, and with your changeup, you, know, you definitely need feel that pitch. feel inside your fingers. So I think just wait for the offseason. Off Next year, yep. he's a discount play in my book. I think you can probably get him last pick of your draft no one wants to quite touch cheaply because he's a tiger as well and it's not like uh my boys are gonna be 
you right. know, hot on the radar by but, any stretch. But as far as going with Fulmer down the stretch in, in September, yeah, I do not want to do that. Ahead of him now, it's the Yankees, uh, White Sox, Astros, Indians, uh, Royals, and Twins. And I take that back, get rid of the Yankees. That was the KCR start. But Correct. And this might get a little changed because I thought he was going to go and they added him or they made him go a day early still. But it's at White Sox and St. Louis this week for a two-start. I think it's a no for me. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't do I that. Think, I, the cards are not I think a, it's a no-go. The cards yep. are no joke. He would get the Indians after that. Uh, so yep. I'm not I'm not going with this. I, I think nope, he just turned I, it away. I think Fulmer's a cut in 10 and 12 teamers. You look for somebody better. Um, let's talk about somebody he could actually go up. No, he won't go up against this guy, but obviously the White Sox, uh, a White Sox who we've talked about a lot. So we're not going to go too crazy on them, but I'll, I'll, we'll use this for a brief moment on White Sox because you have Carlos Rodon on your watch out list. Right. And now that included at New York versus Boston. Yes. Cause that, that was going to be his two start this week. Now that we're past that, does this change? Because he has LA next week, the angels, I should say, then in at KC, um, at uh, at yeah. Cleveland, home against Cleveland, and then at Minnesota. Now, does he now shift back up into the list and say now his schedule is actually halfway decent, or is it still something you're you're cautious of because Cleveland twice? Well, I mean, not as obviously uh, cautious because it was four out of seven before, and now it's two out of five. Yeah, I yeah, I definitely want to start him against the Angels, against the Royals, and the Twins. Now, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world against the Indians. I think he does a really good job of holding off hard contact but going inside a ton with that four-seamer. He threw Actually, a, bad, a bad changeup and a bad slider that were both homers in that game against the, uh, the Red Sox, and he got a bit singled out in his final inning. That's what returned that bad start. I think Rodon is honestly a fine play the rest of the way now, uh, but this was a tough two-start week. Agreed. And I'm writing a piece about him and uh, I heard you talk about him on, on the last on the corner and uh, exa- we found the exact same thing. And it's the obvious thing. It's it's the up and in because I think people are still looking at the strikeout to walk, which I get. You look at that first. You want to see what's going on and you see that it's not great. And remember when I brought him up as a caution, it was because it was so bad. And I was just like, well, can this keep going or, or not so bad, just so mediocre for what he was right. performing. But then I started watching more of the film. And then looking at, at what he was doing with that up and in heater. And uh, I'm buying now. I'm, it's, I'm it's completely weird, isn't shifting. It, it really is. But he's he's eschewed strikeouts to to really just bust guys up and in, getting pop-ups, getting weak garbage. They're not – they cannot barrel him right now unless he makes a mistake. This is Carlos Rodon we're talking about. And so, yeah, I've, I've shifted. Like I said, once he got through the New York-Boston, now he's somebody that goes on the positive list, I think. Sure. And I think he joins his teammates. I want to talk quickly. Uh, uh, we're still going to stick with some negatives here before we get fully into the positives. But since we're on the White Sox, let's hit on these guys one more time because Lucas Giolito made it through the hell week. In stunning fashion. Yes. Uh, he was excellent against Boston. And then next week he gets Detroit on a one on a one start, but then at KC at Baltimore. His next three line up brilliantly. What did you see out of Giolino this week against Boston to to really spur him to keep going now? Now, first of all, I just gotta say I was Sullivan. Uh, oh is, no. I was gonna I was I, I told you guys the thing last week that I was going to write about Lucas Giolito. And That's then right. as I was sitting down to do it, I, I saw that Jeff Sullivan put out an article like that moment <laughs> on Giolito. But anyway, it was a really good article. Um, yes. he made a really great point about his arm angle increasing, getting higher up, and that correlated with his increased velocity. 
you know this what's nuts though is that this boston red sox start i actually didn't love i had it, it was a really good okay, result dude, no, i didn't get to see any of that I, yes. I was watching that on box score i was at a fantasy football draft. so his changeup was great that was really cool but his breaking stuff just was not I uh, and it was he really rolled with two seamers and the two seamer looks really nasty at times but the thing is, I, I think Giolito at his heart, if he's really going to succeed, it's going to be change-ups with four seamers and one of his curveball or slider really working on a given night. This was yes. one with his two-seamer doing a lot of the damage and then change-ups as well. And I don't really buy that that's the consistent game plan. Okay. Uh, so, But moving forward, you have the Detroit Tigers, you have the Royals, and you have the Orioles, the next three Just starts. Brilliant schedule. He's and a full trust right now. I it's think. crazy. I uh, so yeah I think I, I think I'm going for this. Also, not to mention we were talking about his velocity going up 93, 94. Two seamer was at 92 and change, uh, which was a step back to me. It's crazy because he had such a good start against the Red Sox, and I wanted to be so excited. I wanted yeah. I want that to be like his coming out. You know, everyone's like, oh my god, this is incredible. Giolito is the best, and I couldn't be a part of it. Uh, uh. I know because I'm like, I'm like, I was like with yes, yes. I think okay. given these matchups, he's definitely a positive one now. Considering four of his next five, on top of the three we mentioned, it's the Cubs and then the Twins after. Okay, I'm good pretty much for all but the Cubs. I don't want to do Gilo against the Cubs. And one last check-in on the White Sox. Uh, Raylo also oh, survived. That's how he went into New York. Kept the ball in the yard, seven innings, five hits, a run, two walks, and six strikeouts. And then now he gets a two-start, Detroit, L.A., the Angels, and then um, he's on the at Baltimore train the week after. So his next three are looking pretty sharp. Is he someone you're still trusting oh, right now with the man. way he's pitching? Yeah, he's weird because uh, I wrote about this. The actual piece I wrote for you guys, <laughs> I wrote a crafts, uh, was about Renato Lopez and, a, and how he used his curveball all of a sudden. This is a pitch that used to be the the main breaking pitch, and then he went to a slider. Slider, yeah. He's yep. throwing about 5% of the time the entire season. All of a sudden, he threw it over 18% of the time. And he had success with it. It was good. Uh, there were there were sometimes he floated in the zone. This was against the Yankees, Renato Lopez. And there are other times he was able to put it right under the zone, got Greg Bird and Austin Romai well out on their front foot. And that was great. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, Renato Lopez is one of those pitchers that just depends on the given day, and it's really as 50-50 as it gets. It doesn't even matter who he pitches against. They've played the Tigers a lot. Lopez has, has done that, too. And I like to think that's a good play, and sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't, even against the Tigers. So I, I can't really fully endorse that. Uh, but if you need a coin flip, it could work out here. And look, maybe his curveball is now a 15 to 20% usage pitch all of a sudden. That'd be effective. interesting if, right. if, they, if that's what we're seeing on, on a flip from Reynaldo Lopez. Just to give you an idea of his volatility, um, and it's not just the one start, but like a, a couple starts before the, the last two here against uh, at New York, at Detroit, he went two innings, six runs on six hits and three homers to KC. And it's like... Right. Like, what are oh, you doing? I hate that. I hate when these guys <laughs> get whipsawed by these garbage teams. And obviously KC's been doing some things with the bat. We just talked by they whip Fulmer and they've got a few interesting guys but come on man you got to stand tall against them and at the very least you got to go like five innings three runs six strikeouts I'll, I'll take like that as like a mediocre sort of deal and so uh okay that's quick check in on those those white socks i, I don't want to get too far afield yeah. on them yeah, we did that what last they, week didn't we <laughs> exactly that's why i didn't want to all that. we're not even going to mention copac right now you got to go listen yeah, to that <laughs> A guy I do want to talk about, though, because I'm kind of getting chirped at on Twitter here and there uh, every time he has a good outing, although those guys never pop up when he has a bad outing. He hasn't had that many, though. 
He has looked better with Tampa Bay, but Tyler Glass now is somebody I, I haven't trusted. And I'm not a huge fan of super tall guys. There have been some super tall successes in baseball. It's not it's not if you're this height or taller, you can't succeed. That's not what I'm saying. But when you show that you walk like five per nine consistently and you cannot constantly repeat your mechanics, I don't think I'm out of bounds to be concerned. Now we have seen a run here with Tampa Bay. And after two wobbly ones, he bounced back at Cleveland with a really sharp start. Two, uh, seven two-hit innings, one run. It was a homer, six strikeouts and a walk. Uh, the beauty has been just 10 walks in the 30 and two-thirds. And there, there was all the hype because uh, there was a guru there. I can't remember his name. Is it Brad Snyder or something like that? Brett oh, Snyder. I don't know. Yeah, the, a, a pitching guru for them. I don't know if it's their straight-up pitching coach or just somebody who works on the staff that is apparently tall himself and has worked with tall uh, tall players before to you know kind of get them on, uh, tall pitchers to kind of get them on track. So there was that excitement, and that so far seems to be going well. How do you feel about what Tyler Glasnow is doing? Because you had him on the bad end. Um, he's got at Toronto, Cleveland, Oakland. That's what's coming up for him. How do you feel about Tyler Glass now? Well, right. So he had Atlanta, and that got pushed back a day, which meant that he went to get the Indians, and he absolutely killed it. Uh, he had six strikeouts, seven innings pitched, one earned run, and only three base runners. Fantastic. This is also great considering that he had three walks in the previous two starts, and all of a sudden it's just one walk. You feel a little more confident about it. I do like in the short term. I, I think for the most part I am starting him. Uh, it's, yeah, Toronto, Cleveland, Oakland. So he just did well against Cleveland. I'm a little hesitant. I think Oakland is actually a pretty strong offense. I, yes. And the Yankees, by that time, this is, would be at the very end of the season, will have Judge back most likely. And Sanchez uh, is already back. Exactly. And Didi. And the, essentially the offense will be back doing its thing. Oh, quick tangent. Yes. When did when did your beloved Yankees get a dingy head to read? I know he's not some like big ad, but I feel like every day they add some like name player, even if they're not a stud. Like when right. did, when did they get knows. a dingy head to Honestly, I just realized today too. I had I was like <laughs> they're playing the Tigers, so of course I was watching a bit of it, and I was like, oh, they got him. I mean, he's a great <laughs> defender, but he's he's nothing for a hitter. But I was just surprised. I was like, okay, picking up anybody who's being put on right. I mean, right, it's it, so it, hurt. It's kind of nuts. I, but yeah, so Tyler Glasnow, I think, honestly, if you have him in 12-teamer, you shouldn't make any moves based on this. I'm starting him against Toronto. If he does well against that, I think I'm going to start him for the Indians. If he does well against that, I guess I'm going to start him for the Oakland. If there yep. are any hiccups, then I'm going to have more hesitation against the tougher teams. But for the most part, I think I'm just going to ride it. The yep. strikeouts are just always there. I think so, too. And, um, you know, again, this is I'm not going to do a full scale change on my concerns for him based on 30 innings, but I am going to use him the rest of the season if I've got him. And then I'm going to assess everything in the offseason. And I'm open to making changes, too. I gotta, I'm not going to get steadfast on somebody to, and just be wrong and dig in and look like an idiot. Uh, he's got a uh, – I'm on B-Ref right now because I was looking up something. Uh, he's got a 2.9 walk rate. I think that's like uh, – I think he's got like a 7% with them uh, for his walk rate. That's Tyler Glass now. So if the walks are in check – that's going to be huge, uh, and that's obviously the biggest. Yeah, it's a nine percent walk rate because he's striking out uh, so many guys. I can take a nine percent. I can take that. Anything under double digits for Glass now, I can take that because he has a thirty-three percent strikeout rate. So, keep an eye on him. Is there anybody else that was on the negative side or is going negative side that you want to get out of before we jump in some favorables? Yeah, so there is one more guy I want to talk about to be the negative rest of the season schedule, and it's someone who's just been struggling a lot anyway, and that's a uh, Rick Porcello. 
I was hoping because that's that's what I was gonna be. That was gonna be my last one. So this will be the last one on the negative side. Let's talk about Rick Porcel. I mean, somebody I'm terrified to ever trust. Nick, I never want to trust him. Well, okay, so we're gonna talk about strikeouts. I mean, he's still giving you strikeout production. Uh, it's been his last six starts have been nine, five, ten, six, eight, seven. That I think that's wow. an average of about seven there. It, but in those starts, it's been one, seven, one, five, three, four earned runs. So in his last three, it's been an average of four in those games. And yeah, that's seven, of course, against the, the Blue Jays on August 9th as well. It's pretty, really, it's really frustrating for Rick Porcello, owner. He's been. I mean, he's pretty much as much of a cherry bomb as anyone. That is someone who's really sweet or blows up in your face. Uh, and that's and, what and you don't usually been. expect that from him. He's supposed to be kind of a steady Eddie, and instead right. he's been volatile Victor. So uh, <laughs> volatile Victor. All right, uh, I like it. Um, well, the thing I'm seeing is that his slider has just not been good all of a sudden. That's been the pitch that really has transformed him into you know this nine plus caper nine guy. And it hasn't really been that consistent lately. Guys are jumping on it a bit. He allowed three home runs against the Indians on the 20th. And I think that's partly due to the slider not really being the nullifying pitch it needed to be. So I'm really hesitant moving forward just because now his schedule does not get easier. He he struggled against the White Sox. That already happened. That was one of the beneficial ones. (laughs) And then it's the Braves, the Jays, the Yankees, the Indians, and then the Yankees again. Ooh. That's rough. That is that is making me reconsider owning Porcello in a twelve teamer. If there's Wait, something else I can say, stream. say what you had for him. What what, what was that lineup? Uh, moving forward now, Braves, Jays, Yankees, Indians, Yankees. I think that New York is the Mets. Is it the first one? I'm looking on RotoWire's pitching grid for the second week, not this upcoming week. He's got Atlanta this week at at Atlanta, but then a two start against Toronto. And the Mets, would that save oh, him a bit? Oh, you know what? What probably happened is because of the whole price thing. They pushed, they changed up the exactly. schedule. Exactly. That's interesting. Okay. Well, all right. So if you're swapping a Yankee for a So Met, there's that little gem there in the middle. That's still three out of five. That's not favorable. Exactly. It's still worrisome. It's still worrisome. Now, are you are you benching <coughs> Porcello and trying to maybe spot him in that New York Mets one? Or is he somebody that you would cut for uh, maybe one of the favorables we're going to really, talk about? It which... really depends on the, you know, the league that you're in and what options are available. There are some favorable ones that I would consider uh, and others not so much. I mean, it's really – if you need that strike at upside, if that's a major part of your team, you stick with mm-hmm. this. If you're chasing ratios, I think I try to stream, honestly. Okay, okay. Uh, let's get into some gems. And uh, I'm going to bring up one right off the top that I'm interested in your thoughts on because I don't think we've done much of a check on him in a while. I think we did a Philly cast uh, because they had such an interesting staff. And uh, we haven't talked about it, many of their guys in a while, but Vince Velasquez has a great two-start this week. The only bummer is that both are on the road, but I'll go to the Marlins and to the Mets any day of the week. Yes. And then he follows that up with the Marlins at home the following week. So the next three uh, are looking really good for Velasquez. How are you feeling about him uh, going into the stretch run here, Vince Velasquez? I'll be honest with you. I, I've i been struggling the past month to, to, to talk about Velasquez because the secondary stuff has just not been good. Uh, and I've talked about this a lot with Velasquez. And yes, he can take advantage of bad teams with that really good four-seamer. But until mm-hmm. we see that slider and curveball being very effective consistently, I am not going to be that much of a fan of him. However, yeah, those the Mets, Marlins, that's great. I'm still going to roll with him there. Uh, it doesn't look like his last two starts of the year might be the Braves. I, I'm very concerned about that. Yep. But short-term outlook, I do like Velasquez. 
Okay, and I, I would agree there. I think uh, I would agree across the board that it is somebody that you love the schedule setup, but sometimes you have to step back and realize, well, he's not performing that well. Uh, the problem really has been, too, is is even getting to the five innings. He's only gone over five innings once in his last six, and, and that's a little bit of a problem for Velasquez. And then some of the strikeouts have been down uh, in other outings. So this two-step, obviously, you, you have to because it's at Miami, at the Mets, but there is a little bit of concern with him. By the way, because of the next two weeks being so Marlins, Mets, and Marlins heavy. Uh, there is a three-game set versus Washington at home that uh, Arietta, Pavetta, and Eflin are going to get stuck with. But you got to be loving your Phillies down the line here. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, let's move over to another one here. The one that I was mentioning, I kind of hinted at him earlier as somebody that you might be surprised that you want to pick up. It's maybe Wei Yin Chen. Yes. And in the uh, the immediate term, he's got at Pittsburgh this week and then at the Mets the following week. You had him down for a pretty good setup the entire rest of the way. What are we thinking about Wei Yin Chen? It's kind of nuts. I always call it Chen music. I like it. Uh, and I've been, I've been making lots of jokes about it because he's been really bad for a lot of the year. Yes. And you, know, you don't want to dance to Chen music and all that kind of stuff. But it's his last five starts, he's allowed just five earned runs total. And what I've seen is that he's having a little more of an emphasis on a slider. It's normally a pitch that's a sub-20% usage, and now it's closer to 25 and change. And he's done great. I mean, his last two starts have returned 17 strikeouts and 14 innings pitched with one earned run. That's against the Braves and, and the wild. Jays. Yeah. And I mean, this could easily be something that is just bad and we forget about it tomorrow. It's, I think I have an old phrase for that. It's a double bubble. Um, it's, you because put, it doesn't last. Right, because you put it in your mouth and it's really sweet. And then a couple minutes later, you're like, why am I still doing this? That, uh, that's, that's really funny because, yeah, the, that minute – that first minute with double bubble is is a great experience. It's a wonderful it's time. <laughs> so flavorful. You're loving it, and then you're chewing rubber. Right. Uh, uh, literally sixty seconds after that, the, the the second sixty seconds, you're already chewing rubber, wondering where the heck any flavor is. And <laughs> if it's me, I'm throwing that piece out, popping in another, and I'm just doing it every sixty seconds so, because <laughs> who needs teeth? Um, so but yeah, so what he gets: like Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, the Mets, Washington, Cincinnati, and the Mets is what I'm seeing here. Uh, and I'm for this. I, th- like I, th- I think this is a really sneaky play. I, I don't know how what his percentage is right now, but want to say it's sub ten percent owned. I won't be surprised if it's under five percent owned. To- has to be nothing i mean five it's normally about five starts is the time when people start picking people up Mm -hmm. and it's been five now with 17 last seven strike 17 strikeouts the last two games so i think he's gonna start getting those ads especially with with this favorable schedule but i I think i'm i'm thinking i'm cool with it it's uh like for example i would go with chen over moscove at the moment you're talking that's that's what i was yeah. That's what I was implying earlier when I was saying maybe you would move Musgrove off for this for this guy, and it was Chen. So I would make that move as well, which if you told me I was going to say that a month I know, ago. I know, It's wild. But you you have to be more short-term right now, especially in head-to-head, right, because nothing's promised. At least in Roto, you know you have the end of the season, and it's all going to matter at some point. But with head-to-head – the next week is never promised, so you have to you have to make some tough calls, and I think that that's a tough call that I would make. And if I had to cut him and not just bench Musgrove for Wei Yin Chen, I would do it. Now, another thing I should mention is that his two teammates, Pablo Lopez and Trevor Richards, also have solid schedules at the end of the think, uh, September. I think Pablo's out for the year. Wait, what? When? When did that happen? 
I believe he had a, an injury recently because I was looking at him for this as well. Um, let me pull it up. Wait, are you serious? Oh, God, yeah, just a day. Oh, no. Yeah. Shoulder, oh, that is so frustrating. Right shoulder strain. He, he, he gone. This is what happens, guys, when you go to Colorado and during the weekend. Yeah. Hey, oh, man. Colorado, you're oh, you're excused. But, uh, yeah, Pablo Lopez got I am so frustrated. Frustrated. Okay, yeah, so then Trevor Richards would be the one. Uh, he has a very favorable two. Uh, Phillies, Mets, Phillies, Cincinnati, Washington. Those are those next five starts as of last Monday. Shoot, I mean, the Marlins just have a nice nice uh, strength of schedule the rest of the way. So Trevor Richards, especially the way that he's using about 35 to 40% changeups, that's by far his best pitch. We saw him in Colorado kill it. Yep. Uh, and I think that he could take advantage of this, especially if we're chasing strikeouts. He is a sneaky ad for that. He really has. Trevor Richards of the Marlins has been a definite strikeout ad. Uh, I didn't have this name planned, but now I'm looking at it. It is pretty favorable, and I want to get your thoughts on him because he's been crazy. You're going to see where I'm going here because you mentioned Trevor Richards. I got to bring up Trevor Williams on Pittsburgh. Oh, man. Who has a freaking .75 ERA over his last 48, 48 innings. That's eight starts. Yeah, yeah but... 30 strikeouts, 16 walks. So the it's a little wonky there. And obviously there's – obviously everything is running in his favor. He's not – he's in the the Ritz-Carlton if we're going to talk hotel because I mean, he's just <laughs> out of his mind. Right. However, we got a two-start with Cincy and Miami both at home. I know Cincy can can get you, but they're not, they're not a, a stay away. They're just a be careful. But it's Cincy-Miami this week and then uh, two Milwaukee the following week. What do we think about Trevor Williams of Pittsburgh? You know what's so funny is that I talk about – I've talked about this so much that I know his Sierra in that time is 507. <laughs> Wait, what? It's 507. Oh, my just, God. Just think it, about that for a moment. Like it, it's Four and a quarter runs higher than the ERA that he delivered. Yes. This is – I have a term with tease that is the end of an era or ERA. Uh, so he oh. is a tease because this is just not going to stick. I am dumbfounded by this. I did not know that it was going to be that – filthy it's so How? ridiculous and it's 15 percent soft contact it's not like he's really deserving this bad no 33 hard uh, it, the whole thing is just yeah okay whatever trevor that's nice i'm not going to put any faith in this especially especially when you're not getting any sort of strikeout return nope you know, you're it, getting uh 16 percent um, from what i remember 16.2 15.6 sorry do you remember what his left on base rate is during well, the stretch it's got to be like seven the 96 or something it's literally 100 percent really it's all home his, runs his runs have all come on homers three homers for four runs oh yeah it is and uh, oh, so he has a five percent homer to fly ball a hundred percent left on base and a 231 babbit again hotel which is uh give, give us the acronym the holy trinity equating luck Meaning when you're homer to fly ball, you're left on base, and your Babbitt are all just exceptionally in your favor. You can be influencing it. It's not that you're you're not doing anything for it, but when you're working all three of them, the Holy Trinity, that's just – it's too much, and it's going to come down. And when you pair it with the skills that, that he has here, Trevor Williams, uh, with a 16% strikeout rate and a 9% walk rate uh, – 8% walk rate, excuse me – it's a no-go, man. It's this is this is a disaster waiting to happen. But I still wonder, Cincy and Miami both at home. Don't care. Okay, you're saying no-go. No, I just I do not want to go near this ticking time bomb. I know it really seems. And I listen. I know that it's flaw, it's definitely gambler's fallacy to say he's been running this hot for this long, um, and then to say well he's due an eight earned run outing. But at the same time, yes, it's a when you well. have these skills, he kind of is. 
is. Right? Because yeah. these skills do bring out six, seven earned run outings. So I don't even know that it's fully gambler's fallacy to say that because if you keep pitching with these skills, you are going to have a bomb at some right. point. Now, again, it, it is a Vargas rule, I guess. Yeah, which is – Vargas from last year, if you guys remember, was amazing to start. Like we're talking 12-ish starts. And you just keep – do you do that this week? Yeah, you just, yeah, you just have to keep rolling with it, I guess. You can only be – you can only have a Vargas rule if you are a tease. That's my yeah. definition. Uh, so I, I guess you have to. I don't. I hate it. I mean, I, I guess what I'll say is this: like, you keep going with it until it faults. You only fault you for one game. Yeah. The sec- if the Cincy one's bad and, and you're and in a head-to-head your daily move, done. it's over. You're out for Miami. Okay, that that's fair. Um, who else do you have on the favorable side that that you're looking at? Well, I mean, there are a couple of guys I really like here. Uh, one that we haven't really talked about, and it's not really someone that you're going to be able to pick up at this time. But I think it should be noted how well Kevin Gaussman has performed. Yes. And he has a really comfortable schedule the rest of the way. Arizona, the Giants, the Cards, the Phillies twice to end the year. That's really nice. And he's been really killing it. Uh, I believe he's a sub-2 ERA as a Brave. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in uh, six starts so far. Uh, he just had the Pirates over the weekend. Uh, that's one earned run in six innings pitch with four strikeouts. It's, now, it's nice. He's up in the hotel a little bit too, though. However, he doesn't have a, a disgusting strikeout to walk ratio like or, like Williams. It's a uh, he's got a two twenty BABIP and eighty one percent left on base and a five percent homer to fly ball. This is for Kevin Gosman, but he also has at least a thirteen percent strikeout minus walk rate, which isn't too bad. And it's it's powered by a very low walk rate. The strikeouts aren't great, but the walks are pretty good. Right. I, I think he is formula with a splitter as well and a very well-placed four-seamers is improving things. And yes, I mean, it's not like the, the Sierra is going to back it up at like a three or so. I believe it would be around four, uh, four sixteen. That's fine. But I I still think that he's still worth it at this point, especially on a winning team for the Braves. So you go I agree. All right, give me one more, and then we got to wrap up. You can hear Charlotte bark. Uh, <laughs> dog sitting again. That dog's that dog's here. So I got to get going. Give me one more name for the road, though. Of course, Stephen Matz. Uh, I think yes. he's he was my call boy for the day yesterday. He was twelve percent owned for that giant start, and he has a really comfortable schedule. It's Phillies, Marlins, Phillies, Nationals, Marlins. I love all of that. I think that's. I think he's definitely could be a Toby, someone that's just serviceable down the stretch against weak teams. All right, that's perfect. That's going to actually wrap us up for this Fireside Chat. Nick, we'll be back next week for another Fireside. Yeah, looking forward to it. fair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league well look no further and download squad ql the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year download squad ql for free for your apple and android devices squad ql recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters bench players and free agent pool how does squad ql actually do this the app connects directly with your yahoo espn and cbs leagues pulling in your actual roster your league scoring system the app also provides waiver wire recommendations daily updates to player rankings and much more 
Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.